Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Hey guys, and welcome in to this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's Anthony Pagnata back with you guys as always. And tonight, of course, uh, we had Josh Marlowe come on for us, uh, do that last edition of the podcast. Now we're back talking with Zach Hubbard as once again, we dive back into the 2021 recruiting trail. That'll be the main focus tonight. But guess what? We also have some 2022 recruiting trail talk that we'll be talking about on tonight's podcast. So a real interesting edition. No commitments to talk about. Uh, Unfortunately, we thought we had some things uh, maybe in the works over the last couple of days. And uh, we'll start by talking about the guy that it seemed like for maybe a little bit of time, people thought might be the guy that everybody was talking about. That's 2021 five-star all-purpose back Will Shipley. Uh, he was announced, uh, or he announced his commitment uh, yesterday, actually, um, and uh, it, it was released uh, the other night that he was going to announce his commitment um, Tuesday night. Uh, that was kind of the, the the night that uh, all the speculation was going on because Tar Heel commit had been on there saying that there was something big coming, um, including guys like Jared Wilson, uh, Ra Ra Dilworth, as well as Keyshawn Silver. But uh, unfortunately, it did not turn out that the Tar Heels were able to uh, shock the world, which is pretty much what would have happened if Will Shipley would have committed to Carolina instead. He's going to commit to Clemson, uh, and that's pretty much what uh, we all expected along the way. Clemson was one of those teams, along with Notre Dame, that we felt had the best chance to land him. They got out to a huge lead. Those two were battling for a while. And uh, as his commitment sort of closed in on Wednesday, you even felt like some of the Notre Dame people had started to look at it and say, we're moving on because uh, this is not going to go our way. And he does end up going to Clemson. And uh, I know that you were on social media saying that you understood the decision for him to go, but that um, this is one that you, uh, you think in some ways actually does kind of hurt the Tar Heels a little bit. Do you mind explaining that just a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. 
absolutely. So on the one hand, I think that there was um, maybe not explicit statements from sources or from coaches, certainly not from coaches, but from anyone. You know, they were still recruiting uh, Will Shipley up until this point. Um, and for my money, I think that when you have the, you know, when you have the three commitments on the board, the three commitments being uh, Caleb Hood, DeAndre Boykins and Karama Edmonds. When you have those three guys, you have Edmonds that's most likely a pure running back, mm-hmm. and then you have Boykins and Hood that offer you sort of an athlete versatility where they can play multiple positions. But, you know, those two guys running back could be their potential position. Mm-hmm. When you have all of those guys on your commitment list and, you know, weren't willing to wait, they could have waited on Edmonds, they could have waited on Boykins. When they've gone ahead and added those guys to the class, I thought that, that was somewhat telling on where they thought that they stood, you know, in the Will Shipley race um, from information that I got throughout the recruitment. Um, very mature, very personable kid, you know, that yep. wanted to be agreeable and wanted to, um, you know, be involved with coaches and was it was going to be polite to their recruiting pitch. So I think that that might have influenced some of the, um, fonts in, in terms of the Tar Heels' chances in this race. It really did seem like it was primarily um, a Clemson and Notre Dame race up until this commitment. Um, and seems like Clemson sort of had that lead pretty much the entire time. Um, so North Carolina was definitely in there. Um, even, you know, Will will say so with the commitment of Drake May and, you know, other um, offensive pieces there that we saw a little bit earlier in the spring, but um, Clemson, like you said, was the projected pick. Now, in terms of the actual um, makeup of, of the team, I feel that the running back room is very good. I feel like that they've you know, filled that position up, not only in the past few classes, but will in this class. So in terms of an actual uh, makeup of the roster, I wouldn't see it as a huge loss because I, I feel like that they're, they've proven that they're good at developing running backs and using running backs, and they have a lot of good prospects here. It's really more of the perception of it, of the next step that Carolina wants to take. We've already seen, you know, there's hype around the program. They're, you know, they're gunning for an ACC Coastal. They're gunning for an ACC championship. And really, you know, as you look to make those next steps, you look for a new challenge every time. And, you know, Coastal is definitely the next one. So, you know, winning the Coastal is definitely the next one. But, you know, we're already looking past that. The staff, the fans are already looking at the ACC as a whole. They feel the momentum here. You see it in the recruiting rankings. UNC is on the rise. So you have to look at, you know, what's your primary obstacle in the ACC? It's Clemson. It's absolutely Clemson. And that's not only on the field. um, That's, you know, in recruiting as well. And it really uh, goes back to the point – that the Tar Heel staff have made in recruiting is that they want to build a wall around the state. They want to build a fence around the state of North Carolina. And, you know, one of the key phrases that they've thrown out and that we've seen recruits and commits throughout is that the best in North Carolina, excuse me, the best in North Carolina played for North Carolina. That's the key here to how UNC wants to recruit. So, you know, Over the past few cycles, before this resurgence under Mac Brown, we've basically seen Clemson come in and take whoever they want. If they want a guy in North Carolina, 90-plus percent of the time, they're going to get him. You'll see your Dexter Lawrences. You'll see your, um, you know, your Trenton Simpsons last class. And here's just another example of, you know, a North Carolina guy that Clemson's been able to come in and get, um, maybe not necessarily easily, but a guy that they've been able to successfully 
claim in North Carolina. So it's a tall task to ask uh, as compared to how, you know, Clemson is recruiting. But I do feel at least in the back of our minds, maybe not, you know, as our realistic, this has to happen right now, but at least in the back of, you know, Tariel fans' minds and people that cover recruiting, for UNC to really take that next step and really push to be, you know, a contending force for the ACC as a whole, they're going to have to win some of these head-to-head recruiting battles with Clemson. Well, I get what you're saying, and... There, there's a couple of different things that I think you have to look at here. Um, in terms of what you talked about, about building a fence around the state, I mean, Carolina in this class specifically has done a really great job of doing that. And I think that this class was the most important class to do that with because, again, I haven't been covering recruiting as in-depth as I have over the last couple of years my since recruiting started becoming a big thing back in the early 2000s. But this is probably the most talented class in state history by a long shot. I mean, there are guys in this state um, that pretty much, I would say just about everybody in the top 20 in the state of North Carolina will come in as four-star prospects, which is just kind of unheard of. For states like Florida, um, California, Texas, of course, and even Georgia here more recently, that's kind of the expectation. North Carolina now is starting to see a lot of these big name guys that are not going out of state to some of these bigger prep schools. Like we saw some guys go down to Florida to go to IMG Academy. Now a lot of guys are staying in state and I think that's what's really helping. And so far in this class, Carolina of the top 20 has 12 committed in the class, nine of the top 15. And even with a lot of the other guys, they were in really good shape. Um, In terms of when you talk about, you know, some of the examples, Dexter Lawrence, I think, is one that everybody goes back and looks at. That's one that I'm not going to say you have to forget, but that was under a different staff. That's not something that this staff um, can really look back on and say, well, we dropped the ball on that one because they, they weren't here. With Mac Brown here... Who knows? That could have been a much different recruitment. Um, I It felt like Carolina was in that even when Larry Fedora was here, and that was a guy that um, just from hearing from most of the local high school coaches in the area and really in the state, they kind of said the same thing that, um, yeah, I mean, it, Larry Fedora just wasn't that really personable guy, and he that, that really affected his in-state recruiting. Um, but with Will Shipley and, and Trenton Simpson, I think you're looking at two cases that are just completely random at that. With with Shipley, his parents were both former NC State grads. So for Carolina, that was a hill that was going to be just unbelievably tough to climb from the beginning. Um, they they were kind of at a disadvantage. Mac Brown really came in, and I I think you got to commend him and the staff for even having this young man thinking about possibly coming to Carolina because we all know just from seeing how people that are around NC State and follow NC State, which I believe both of his parents do, and I'm not trying to say that his parents are the -the over-the-top fans that talk trash or anything like that. I I, I honestly don't know. I've never met his parents before, Um, but I, I mean, 
He seemed like a guy that cut that that did the best to give Carolina an opportunity. And Mac Brown's staff, I think, really impressed him. It was just Clemson really just got that good of a jump on Carolina from the start. Um, and I think that's one of those scenarios that you just have to look at and and, and say, look, we were behind the behind the eight ball already. We got ourselves back into the race. Um, and and you know who knows? Maybe his recruitment isn't over just yet. It feels like he's very solidly committed to Clemson. I doubt that Carolina is going to be able to flip him, but if there's any hope, Carolina will definitely try to because this is a guy that um, we've talked about multiple times on here, has been compared to Christian McCaffrey, can do a lot of different things out of the backfield. So if there was a chance, you be- you better believe Carolina would try to flip him. Trenton Simpson, that was just a weird situation where pretty much – he said, look, I'm going to commit to Carolina, but pretty much what he was saying is I'm, I'm holding out for Clemson. That's my dream school. If they pull the offer, I don't care if I'm committed to Carolina. I don't care if I'm just about to sign my letter of intent and they pull the offer 10 seconds before uh, I'm sending the facts over to the guys in Chapel Hill. He was going to commit to Clemson. So I, it's just there's been a couple of weird situations these last two years with these guys. I'll be interested to see going forward what Carolina is able to do because I mean right now and I don't think it's going to stay that way Carolina's class is rated ahead of Clemson's I mean it's it's going to be tough to maintain that but that's in part due to the fact that I mean there is a big name guy in state that's staying with you in Drake May you flipped his commitment over from Alabama so there are some building blocks here that I think there's still brings about confidence and that's the other thing when when you look at a guy like Peyton Page who I know a lot of people are now looking at and saying this is a must get you have to lock this guy down I, he's dropped a lot in the rankings. Uh, he's another guy that when you go back and watch the film on him, he's a good player, but I don't know if he was quite as great as that five-star rating that he got initially when the first rankings came out from most of these recruiting websites. So I don't know if he's going to still be quite on that same level of must-have, but it still looks like Clemson's in a great spot for him. Carolina's going to have to battle from behind, but I think even if they're not able to land Carolina is still in a good spot. What do you think about Peyton Page? Do you think that's a must-get for Carolina in, in your mind? Well, I, I do want to point out first that I do agree that um, more likely than not, might not deserve the um, you know five-star ranking that he was heralded with, um, just based on the film as we're seeing it right now. Do I think it's a must-get? Not necessarily. I wouldn't say that um, just because of you know, the defensive prospects, the defensive line prospects in particular that they brought in over the last few years and the ones um, not only that they already have committed, uh, this year you have, you know, Keyshawn Silver, but other guys on the board like Javari Ritzy. Um, if Carolina is going to take a nose guard in this class, I'd probably put Peyton Page at the top of that list. So depending on how you look at, you know, the, you know, the severity of the need at nose guard, um, then I would say it's a musket. Personally, I, I wouldn't say it's a musket. I don't think it will be, you know, the, the largest loss. Um, at least if you want to compare it to some of these other um, UNC Clemson battles that we've seen, I wouldn't compare it to the, the the largest loss on that list by any stretch of the imagination. But certainly a guy that North Carolina, that most schools, North Carolina and Clemson, are still recruiting. We've seen some rumors of different schools, uh, Clemson in particular, slow 
playing him. Uh, multiple sources on both the UNC and Clemson side have really sort of denied that. Both schools are still pushing here. And, yeah. you know, this is a cr- recruitment right now that it does look like that Clemson's in a pretty good spot for, but I don't think it's one that's, um, you know, 100% close to being done. We've seen, you know, a summer timeline in there, but, you know, it, it's really hard to say. And I think just with, um, you know, a lot of these guys that you've seen recruit or seen commit rather here in, you know, the past couple months, not necessarily with North Carolina, I don't think, but with some of these other schools, a lot of people, you know, in recruiting are saying now it's not unlikely that we see, you know, committed prospects take several official visits or guys, you know, um, decommit once or even twice. I think it's going to be, you know, a pretty wild fall in recruiting. Like I said before, not necessarily with North Carolina prospects, but it could be a situation in which North Carolina can benefit um, from some guys looking elsewhere. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right about that. Um, I I can't agree more. This fall is going to be definitely wild. I think that you're going to see a lot more flips than we've seen in previous years because it feels like even during all of the all, all of this coronavirus um, pandemic that's going on, you're still seeing a lot of guys that are going ahead and committing. Um, I, I don't know if if they are if a lot of these guys are going to hold on to those commitments. Um, it feels like from from our standpoint, most of our guys are solid, but I think, you know, you look at some of these other schools that are really just piling up, schools like Tennessee, that's another team that you got to talk about when you talk about Peyton Page because of how uh, how quickly they've just become the hot thing on the recruiting trail, really because of the defensive back that they got committed, Kamar uh, Wilcoxon, who has done just a great job of being able to help recruit the class, um, and, and, and that's one of the things that I think is going to be interesting is seeing when, you know, Carolina is able to get some of these guys that are committed maybe, but that are still targets in their mind on campus, if that maybe changes their mind a little bit. I wanted to go back just just really quickly um, with the Will Shipley conversation. With him now off the board, that felt like the one guy where if he wanted to come to Carolina, there was a spot still for him. I think at this point, that means the running back class is closed unless him or, I'm going to say, if Evan Pryor was wanting to flip, they would make room for one of those two guys. Do you feel the same way that as of right now, with Shipley off the board as well as Pryor, that Carolina is probably done with the running back class in 2021? Yeah, I, I do feel that the running back class is done. Uh, kind of with the guys I mentioned, I mean, you have Edmonds as your as your true running back, and then you have Hood and Boykins kind of as athletes that you can put different positions. Um, you know, defensive back has been mentioned for both, running back mentioned for both, um, potentially quarterback for Hood as that's his high school position. But, um, you know, those two that you mentioned, simply Shipley and Pryor, I feel are two guys that, you know, if they wanted in, um, those are guys that Carolina would make a spot for. One more guy that I do want to mention that was in there somewhat in the spring, uh, five-star running back out of Virginia, uh, Travion Henderson, um, would be another guy that I'd pre- project that they would say, you know, if he wants to come, we're going to make a spot for him. Right. I would not project any of those guys at this time, but uh, if there's a name on the board that's, you know, was highly rated by the staff and they want to come on board, those would be the three guys that I would say, yes, absolutely, they get a spot in this class. 
Right. And, and yeah, you mentioned it. I mean, Edmonds, um, and it seems like one of those two guys will end up staying at running back that you talked about. Um, right now, it seems like from what everybody's saying, it looks like, believe it or not, Caleb Hood will, will probably be the guy that will stay on the offensive side. He'll probably just move to running back um, and they'll leave De- uh, yeah, DeAndre Boykins in the secondary, um, which, you know, I, I think is kind of where everybody from watching the film probably wanted him to play. But if they they had to play him at running back, uh, they would do that. Um, of course, uh, Carolina would be in an inter- interesting situation. I know that a lot of people think that there's still a ton of depth at running back, and that could be true. Of course, you know, Michael Carter after this year will leave, but the one that I think is going to factor in the most is what happens with Javante Williams. Does he end up going to the NFL, or does he stay behind for his senior year? The reason that I brought this up is because, I mean, you look at Javante Williams, he kind of fits the mold of what NFL teams are looking for nowadays. He runs hard, um, very physical running back, but also has enough speed where if you put him on the edge, he can make things happen. And the key thing that he can do is catch the football out of the backfield. Those were the types of guys that were getting drafted high in this year's draft. Guys like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, guys like J.K. Dobbins. So that's the thing that I think Carolina fans just have to kind of keep in their back of their mind. And that's what you have to do when you recruit. You have to always recruit with the mindset that the worst could happen. You can't just assume that Javante Williams is going to be back next year. With that being said, I agree. I think that this class is closed in Unless one of those guys wants to flip, I think Carolina is going to hold on to the guys that they have. One, if not both of those guys, could end up staying, uh, both of the athletes could end up staying on the offensive side if they needed them to, especially because the secondary looks loaded for this year and, and, and probably the next couple of years. But I feel confident with that right now, Carolina uh, will probably roll with an Edmonds and Hood combination at running back and allow Boykins to go over to the defensive side. Of the ball. So we talked about Will Shipley. Uh, now let's talk about um, one of the guys that Carolina received a crystal ball for here uh, most recently, and that was J.J. Jones. This one, I think, um, should really excite Carolina fans a lot. Two reasons. Uh, of course, any crystal ball for him is, is fantastic. This is a guy that's creeping up. 24-7 Sports has him as a four-star. Of course, I know most of you guys probably saw that Rivals.com is about to update their rankings here soon. Uh, of course, there's uh, really being criticized for being out of date, but of course, they go really heavily off of their Rivals Camp Series, which is a big success that they do usually during this time of the year. Unfortunately, with all the COVID-19 stuff, all of those camps were canceled, so they had to go through, watch the film over again. Now they're releasing those rankings, but J.J. Jones will probably be one of those guys that'll get the bump up to a four-star. Really talented wide receiver out of Myrtle Beach High School in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Carolina, and really I think is seen in in most Tar Heel fans' opinion as the last piece of their receiving class uh, here because, of course, you got Gavin Blackwell in there, you've got Kobe Paysauer, now you're wanting that big, lanky receiver that can go up, catch the football, and that's pretty much
much what J.J. Jones can do. And the other thing is, is not only is this a crystal ball for Carolina, this is a crystal ball from Steve Wilfong. And there's two ways to look at this. First of all, Steve Wilfong is the most accurate guy when it comes to predicting crystal balls for 24-7 sports. He's got about a 90, I, I believe, overall um, for the entire time he's been doing crystal balls. His percentage is up in uh, around 95%. And this year alone, he's 96 of 97 on predictions, including when he predicted, of course, Ra Ra Dilworth would commit right before he committed. And the other thing is Steve Wilfong's a guy that he will not cast a crystal ball unless it's pretty late in the process for a guy because he wants to make sure that he is as close to being right as he possibly can be. So it seems like not only is Carolina in good standing with J.J. Jones, this is a recruitment that could come to an end pretty soon. Do you feel like J.J. Jones is probably that last piece that is missing from this 2021 receiver class for the Tar Heels? I absolutely do. I mean, I, I think that um, as of right now, as things stand, they're really just looking to add one more wide receiver to this class. As you mentioned, they already have Gavin Blackwell and Kobe Paysauer, uh, both that are kind of smaller guys. Uh, Black, or Blackwell listed at 5'11.5", and Paysauer listed as 6'1". So they really want someone that's more of a taller, um, outside possession receiver, of a red zone threat kind of guy. Uh, similar that we've discussed to uh, Bill Corrales or uh, Antoine Green and, you know, J.J. Jones, he fits that mold. Um, I believe it was this past Sunday or um, you know, sometime the week before he released the top five of UNC, Georgia, South Carolina, Tennessee, and uh, Mississippi State. Um, so um, those would be his five for right now. Obviously, we saw some uh, momentum with South Carolina a little bit earlier in the spring when they finally offered uh, due to his former high school quarterback Luke Doty um, going to South Carolina and obviously the in-state connection you know with the Wolfong crystal ball which shout out to Steve Wolfong one of the best you know in the industry there at 247 sports um, when he puts a crystal ball down it usually means like you said it's not necessarily near the end of the recruitment, although it is oftentimes, but usually for my money, what it means is he knows something about this recruitment. He knows mm-hmm. something concrete, you know, from sources close to the kid. So with that, it seems like South Carolina is fading. is not much of a factor. From what I've heard, it's really most likely than not UNC there at the top, like we've seen mm-hmm. UGA. I think he might want to visit one time or more. They don't seem to be super interested. I've also heard that Clemson, where to get involved obviously they've had a lot of wide receiver success mm-hmm. they could be a factor but on the clemson side it doesn't seem like they're pushing that hard so i think this could be a situation that we could see you know a decision sooner rather than later i don't know any sort of time frame or you know even 100 percent if anything's going to happen of course but you know there does seem to be a lot of momentum on the Tar Heel side of things, and it's it's a recruitment that we could see in pretty soon. Yeah, I, th- I think so too, uh, just from everything that we've been hearing, uh, and it seems like a lot of the guys that we've talked about on social media that are big presences for the Tar Heels um, in terms of guys that are committed and are, are trying to get other recruits in uh, have really seemed to be sort of commenting on a lot of his stuff, seem to be really tight with him. Um, and, and yeah, I, I've heard the same thing about Georgia. That's pretty much a place where he's trying to hold out and see if he can't get on campus just to get a feel for it. Um, If he can't, though, I I think 
He's probably wanting to get this done before his senior season. That's something that has really become a, a, a real popular thing for a lot of guys to do, especially with the early signing day deadline now in place uh, in, in mid-December. Most guys, uh, if, if they go to state title games, they'll play late into November, into early December. So a lot of the guys really don't want to have to rush their decisions. They'd rather take their time before their senior year, get a school locked up, and and just go from there. So I feel like that's kind of where Jones is at. You talked about South Carolina. I think one of the things that really hurt South Carolina, I think they had some really good momentum when they first offered him, but I think it's also kind of crept into his mind. Why did it take so long for them to offer me? I mean, even during the season, this was a guy that caught 16 touchdowns this past season while catching just 45 passes. So he is your red zone threat, which is exactly what Carolina Carolina needs and frankly is what a lot of teams need because that's the best way to put up points is is score in the red zone. So I think that, you know, maybe that started to play into his mind just a little bit. And I think Carolina has has made a really great push. Um, I don't know, like you, there's no timeline or anything that is set. It just feels like as of right now, everything that I've been hearing, the vibe around him is that Carolina is the leader. And if if nothing changes here soon, uh, there's a chance that he could end up committing it to Carolina um, and could potentially be a package deal with one of the other guys uh, that we've heard a lot about, um, but we don't really know because we're still waiting on Javari Ritzy, whose commitment is pretty much, I mean, it's 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 almost just a tease at this point. It seems like he's just so close to being able to pop for Carolina, but there still isn't a timeline. Um, there's still no sources that have confirmed that he's silently committed to Carolina at the moment and is maybe just holding off for a visit or whatever, um, but it seems like uh, if, if J.J. Jones was to commit to Carolina, that would be another um, another stepping stone uh, towards getting Javari Ritzy in uh, as well. Now, one of the other guys that we definitely need to talk about in this class is another guy that announced he will be committing. He'll be committing. Um, we actually have a date for him on May 18th. Um, that'll be later on this month, and that is one of the Tar Heels' biggest targets um, in terms of what in my mind, is their biggest need. I don't know about you, but at the tight end position, Carolina, you know, you look at how they're built this year. I know they brought in two guys that are definitely going to be a tight end in John Copenhaver and Kendall Carr. Uh, there's a chance that if it doesn't work out at quarterback, they could end up moving Jefferson Boaz to tight end. But Besides that, Carolina has just two other scholarship tight ends on the roster in senior Garrett Walston and redshirt freshman Kamari Morales. And of course, if he does play his full season, Garrett Walston will be gone at season's end. So there is a possibility that if Jefferson Boaz does enough at quarterback and wants to stick there, Carolina could be looking at a situation where they have just three scholarship tight ends for next season. So tight end seems like one of those positions that they really would like to get a guy in. Miles Campbell is uh, the guy out of the state of Georgia, South Paulding High School in Douglasville, Georgia, who we've been seeing a lot of interaction. Uh, he was the guy that was uh, – 
Coach John Lilly's first offer, but he ends up coming out and saying that he's going to make his decision now. It felt like maybe if Carolina had a little bit more time, uh, they would be more comfortable going into this decision. I think there's still a slim chance that it is Carolina, but as of right now, Tennessee is one of the teams that has really been on him, um, and of course, they've made just so much great progress throughout the country. This is another guy they feel like they're in good position for, as well as Florida State. What do you think about Miles Campbell deciding to make his decision a little bit earlier than maybe most of us were predicting. Well, I think that it's hard to view it as a good sign for North Carolina just based on the fact that they offered back in March and he's never visited the campus. Um, so unless there's been some sort of momentum behind the scenes that we haven't seen, it's more likely than not um, one of the teams that we have seen him have momentum for sort of out in the forefront. Um, Georgia Tech has mentioned a lot. Florida State and then Tennessee, as you mentioned, that's really just recruiting lights out. So, you know, it, it's really hard to say what his interest is in North Carolina just because there's been so little time between what his projected commitment date is and what, um, you know, his offer date was with the new tight end coach, John Lilly. Um, on the tight end situation as a whole, I feel like there are other targets there on the board, um, specifically local guys um, in state. Um, Charlotte recruit uh, Bryson Nesbitt is a guy that the staff's been on uh, fighting with South Carolina there. And then um, a tight end, I believe, out of Rock Hill, Robbie Ants, um, another battle with South Carolina. So there's still guys here on the board, you know, if they really, really, really need to take a tight end. Um, I think that really the um, Jefferson Boas situation is going to be the make or break on how pressing this issue is. Uh, last year, we didn't see, uh, unless, you know, remembering incorrect I, I don't remember seeing a ton of you know two tight end sets if there's a tight end on the field was really one at a time in those situations they bring two in every now and again for you know a, a bigger running you know a, a more ground and pound sort of offensive style here and there but uh the tight end position in this longo offense it's not really one that you're seeing a whole bunch of guys play in so you know it's not as important to have upwards of you know, you want to have four or five, but maybe not five or six or even seven that you'll see at some of the schools that play with a more pro-style running-based offense. So it, it is definitely a need because the Jefferson-Boas situation is not determined as of yet. But I would say that even if Miles Campbell doesn't commit to North Carolina, which would not be my prediction as of today, right. there are still other guys on the board, and it's maybe not as much of a pressing need as it could be you know, in a, a previous offense or, you know, a previous coaching staff. Yeah, running situations were really where you saw the two tight end sets. Uh, they used to use a lot of Jake Vargas, Carl Tucker sets just to try to free up the edges for our guys this year. And I think that's still going to be a big part of the offense. Believe me, I mean, this passing game is going to be one of the better ones in the country, uh, I would feel, going into this year because you've got Sam Howell back along with Daz Newsom and Deami Brown. But it also feels like Carolina with a backfield that has Michael Carter as well as Javante Williams and even in future years with some guys in, in Josh Henderson and DJ Jones, Elijah Green, that they really feel have a ton of upside as well as the guys they're bringing in in Camaro Edmonds um, and, and Caleb Hood possibly. They're going to have some of those times where they want to use the two tight end sets. It's more of the concern about depth, not really ha having to get a guy in there for talent. Um, you mentioned Bryson Nesbitt. 
and, and Robbie Utes. Now, the thing that's really interesting about them is I think that both of their recruitments kind of tie in together because if Bryson Nesbitt ends up committing to South Carolina, South Carolina could potentially take on Utes as well, but I feel like that would really affect his commitment and, and, and potentially could help swing him into a more open state of mind where he's looking around and saying, I'm a little more open to some of these other teams coming in. That could help Carolina if they're really looking to take on another tight end. One of the other options that I've seen a lot of people talking about, and it seems like this could also be in the plans, is to just kind of bite the bullet this year. Uh, if you end up missing on Miles Campbell as well as uh, the two guys we were just talking about there and really just hit it hard in 2022, which they've already offered a lot of guys at tight end and they'll probably offer a few more guys, maybe some other in-state guys that will emerge as well. So there are a couple of options here. Um, it's a good thing that, yeah, if you are unable to have the amount of tight ends that you would like, you could just go into more open wide receiver sets. Um, but but you would like to have those those tight ends that can help you, especially in the run game. And I think that's one of the reasons why at some point maybe Carolina adds one here. Or if for some reason they need to, they could always, of course, go into the transfer portal uh, next season and uh, pick up someone there. But uh, that's one of those situations that we'll definitely keep monitoring there. Miles Campbell's commitment coming up on May 18th. And I agree with you. Heading in, I would say if I had to say today, I'd probably go with Tennessee, but I think Tennessee and Florida State are probably the top two right now battling for his commitments. Carolina tried to jump in there. I think uh, Coach John Lilly saw something that he liked, but Miles Campbell, uh, I think, maybe has been uh, talking to Tennessee, talking to Florida State, and maybe is ready to make his commitment because he's been on campus there uh, to those two schools. So uh, we'll actually wrap it up tonight by talking about the 2022 recruiting trail. And the reason that we go there is because Carolina offered one of the biggest in-state prospects in the 2022 class, and believe it or not, almost got a commitment from him. That is Malachi Hamrick. And we kind of knew when this when when his recruitment began, just from seeing him talk to uh, some of the guys at Tar Heel Illustrated, even before he got offered when they saw him out at some of these camps, he had said that if Carolina offered, that would be pretty much like a dream offer. And he ends up getting the offer earlier this week. Uh, actually said that there were some commitment thoughts in his mind, but but then sort of backed off of that. Um, he told both Tar Heel Illustrated as well as Inside Carolina that uh, it seems like he's going to maybe take a little bit more time. But I think as of right now, maybe this is just me, but I want to hear your opinion on this, Zach. I think that he's probably Carolina's best chance of landing a recruitment or landing a commitment to start their 2022 class. Is that kind of how you feel about him as well? Well, I definitely think that, you know, I'm hearing the same thing that you are, that, you know, there there was, you know, he was close to a commitment, and this is obviously a big offer for him, one that he's looking at. at um, just to give some background on him, um, Malachi Hamrick's out of Shelby, North Carolina, at Shelby High School, uh, listed at 6'3", roughly 200 pounds, and then in terms of his ranking, obviously hasn't been a composite ranking, but in the initial 
247 rankings ranked as the 66th prospect in the nation, the number four weak side defensive end, and the number three prospect in North Carolina. So a big-time national guy here that already has early interest in the Tar Heels. Uh, It really shows um, that the Tar Heels are already hitting the 2022 class uh, running so far. But um, would he be the first commit? That's definitely a possibility. I would say I think there's some other guys in there, some other guys that you know the Targills are looking at. You look at a guy like wide receiver uh, Shalik Knox of Monroe, North Carolina, could be an addition. But um, overall, you know, just based on the comments we have, I'd have to agree that if there's going to be one in the 2022 class, it probably have to be Hamrick. And you know, overall, I think that the Targills are off to a good start um, with him, and you know, with other prospects there in his class. Yeah, no, I, I think that right now he's probably the guy that you're looking at just from his comments, um, and 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 you feel like he would be a really good piece to bring in, a really talented guy. This past year at Shelby High School, a ridiculous 19 sacks as a sophomore this past year, so there's a lot to like about him. Uh, Shalik Knotts, as you said, uh, is a guy that Carolina's really been in contact with for a while, actually one of their first offers in the class, so he's an interesting name to keep an eye on. Um, and yeah, I think uh, Curtis Neal as well, guy out of uh, Huff High School in Cornelius is another one that we've seen a lot of back and forth with. Um, Travis Shaw from Grimsley is one that people will probably look at and circle as a big name in the class, but he definitely feels like the type of guy that is probably going to be a borderline five-star guy, so I, I don't think that he's a guy that's ready to shut down his commitment. These other guys, as opposed to, uh, uh, to Shaw, are guys that probably are going to be somewhere in the mid four-star range, uh, maybe on the edge of being a three-star. So you could see one of those guys popping. But yeah, Carolina off to a great start in the 2022 class. Not going to quite be as loaded in state, it doesn't look like, but still a lot of really great prospects. And uh, good to have Hamrick, uh, as well as his teammate, um, uh, who who, uh, Carolina offered as well, uh, on board and potentially could be uh, a guy's uh, Santana Hopper uh, is his teammate uh, who could be guys that could start off the 2022 class for North Carolina. So uh, that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Heel Tough Vlog podcast. We hope you guys enjoyed this edition. Some great stuff that we brought to you tonight. Um, some differing opinions. Not not very often that we have that on the podcast here, but you got to hear both sides and uh, I thought it was fantastic. Uh, of course, uh, we encourage you guys to head over to the website to keep up with all of the stuff going on on the recruiting trail uh, during this time. HeelToughBlog.com. We've had you covered with everything that's been going on with Carolina recruiting. We've got a great offseason series coming up where we're going to go through and uh, give you guys a look uh, back through the history of Carolina football by looking at each jersey number and we break down the best player to ever put on that jersey. That's going to be a really interesting thing that we're going to be doing throughout the offseason. Of course, we'll have you covered with all of the information as we lead up to the 2020 season, which is not going to be one that's going to be like any other because as of right now, we just don't really know when football is going to be back because of everything that's going on with the COVID-19 restrictions. Of course, we'll have you covered if any major breaking news happens with that, uh, and we'll tell you how it's going to affect Carolina heading into the 2020 season. All that on Heel Tough 
Blog.com, as well as uh, great basketball coverage we'll be doing during the offseason as well, so make sure you head there to check that out. Last thing, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Again, the rating and review, uh, that really just helps us to move up some of the ranks so that some of the people uh, that maybe haven't found the podcast yet on some of the major podcast platforms can. Uh, Those help you move up the rankings, so we'd really appreciate that. And uh, subscribing, that really is just for you guys. When you subscribe, it goes automatically into your podcast library so that you don't miss an episode of the Heel Tough Blog podcast. We still got plenty more interviews coming up with former Tar Heels as we go throughout the offseason. And of course, we'll be doing a lot more podcasts like this. When guys do commit, um, we'll also be talking about other stuff off of the recruiting trail as we get closer to the season, um, especially if they give us the green light to go ahead and get the season underway uh, in early September. We'll have you covered with everything uh, right here on the Heel Tough Vlog Podcast. So once again, want to thank Zach Hubbard for being with me tonight. Want to thank you guys for listening. We encourage you to make sure that you're staying safe during this time. Listen to all the guidelines that they're telling you. And hopefully football will be back soon enough for us. So once again, thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels!